It's, it's such a pleasure to be here with you tonight to uh, feed on God's Word. And that's what we're here to do, is to feed on Scripture so that in a moment we can, with nourished hearts, uh, cry out to our God in prayer and uh, pray according to the will of the Spirit as He leads us. Uh, if you will, please turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. And we'll be looking at verses 11 through 13. This is page 1187 in the Pew Bibles. 1 Thessalonians 3, 11 through 13. Maintaining faith in the midst of suffering, what, uh, what will happen to Christians who have already died before Christ's second coming, and the life of holiness that is expected of all Christian believers, these are just some of the themes that form the context for Paul's prayer here on behalf of the Thessalonian believers that we find in chapter 3. So what I want to do in my brief time here tonight is I want to look at two prayer requests, one in verse 11, one in verse 12, and then the purpose for those requests, which we find in verse 13. But before we do that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Great God, Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord. We bow before you today. We thank you for... Uh, the moments you've given us today to walk in your presence. And we ask that even now we will do what we do here because of your glory and because of your gospel and for your sake and for your name and not for ourselves. We worship you, God. We love you. We thank you for all that you do in our lives and all that you're doing in our church. And so we just give this night to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look with me uh, for, at, at Paul's first request in verse 11. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus clear the way for us to come to you. Why does Paul ask God to make a way for him to go to, along with his associates, to go to the Thessalonian believers? Well, we find the answer in verse 10, so that he may supply what is lacking in their faith. You see, Paul had founded this church just a short time before. But because of some intense persecution, he was snatched away from them, as he says, and hindered from returning to them by Satan. And so Paul begins to develop uh, this deep concern for them because he knows that they're suffering persecution. And he, he's afraid that Satan will somehow gain a foothold among them and unsettle their faith, as he says, because of the, the sufferings that they're having to endure. And so Paul stops over in Athens and he sends Timothy north to Thessalonica to inquire about their faith and to strengthen them. And Paul is greatly encouraged when Timothy returns to him and says that they are standing firm in the Lord, that their faith is intact. And so Paul praises God, but he asks that God will make a way for him to go to them to supply what is lacking in their faith. But what could possibly be lacking in these believers' faith? He goes on and on in chapter 1 about how they turned from idols to serve the living and true God. About how uh, their, their faith was renowned in all of Macedonia. And now Paul has seen that they have gone through the fiery ordeal of persecution. And they have come out refined with their faith intact. So what could possibly be lacking in their faith? Well, we, we see the answer in chapter 4 where we find that these Thessalonian believers, some of them had uncertainty about their dead loved ones uh, as to whether or not they would be left out 
in Christ's second coming. And so Paul prays to God and he asks that he will send him in order that he might replace uncertainty with certainty and in order that he might fill up what is lacking in their fundamental Christian hope. But what I really want to hone in on here tonight is, the, is that Paul is praying this prayer in the context of Satan's activity. Satan has, number one, tried to unsettle their faith through persecution. And number two, he has tried to cut them off from any means of encouragement by preventing Paul from returning to them. Satan is an enemy of faith. And as we learned this morning, he is a powerful enemy who hates us. And make no mistake about it, brothers and sisters, Satan is at work tonight in our city, in our church, even among us, individually and collectively, he is at work to unsettle our faith, to cut us off and prevent us from encouraging one another, and he is at work to keep our faith immature and to keep us immature in Christian doctrine, especially as regards our Christian hope. But prayer overcomes Satan, and that's why we're here tonight. And so like Paul, we pray that nothing, nothing will be lacking in our faith here at Charlotte Chapel. But now let's look at Paul's second request in verse 12. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you. So now Paul prays that God will exceedingly give these Thessalonian believers love, love for one another and love for everyone else. But what kind of love is this? What is the character of this love? Well, it's simple. Paul tells us here. It is the same kind of love that he himself has been expressing to them all along. He has given them the word of life and hope, the gospel of their salvation. He has endured persecution for them and alongside of them. He has acted toward them as a father does toward his children, gently ministering to them. He has encouraged, comforted, and urged them to live lives worthy of of the God who called them, as he says. He has uh, c- consistently desired their, uh, their, for their hope to increase, and he has desired their future glory. And here he writes this epistle to strengthen and instruct them in their faith. But I want you to see this about Paul's love. Paul's love consists in this. It manifests itself in earnest Concern, which then is manifested in logistical effort and constant prayer. Logistical effort and constant prayer. This is not a casual, I'll pray for you, brother, I'll pray for you, sister, kind of concern, but rather one that shows up in much effort, much toil, and much sacrifice. So let's pray tonight that the Lord, by His grace, will grant us, as 1 John says, to love not with words or in tongue, but with actions and in truth. But now we get to verse 13, where we find the purpose for all of these requests. And uh, I'm not going to read here from the NIV, because it doesn't really capture the purpose that we find in the original language. So I'll, I'll read from the ESV. Verse 13 says, "...so that, so that he may establish your hearts... 
blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. As Christians, we are moving toward an end. All of our struggles, our joys, our good works, all of our gathering and worshiping together, all of our encouraging one another is moving toward an end. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ in great power, in great glory on the clouds of heaven. This is our hope. It is in this context, this glorious, this context of glorious hope that we live out the Christian life. And all of God's efforts, all of God's efforts in sanctifying us are meant to present us as a pure, spotless, blameless, and holy bride at the coming of the Lord Jesus. And so Paul prays toward this end. That faith and love emanating from the gospel would form the path upon which blameless and holy hearts will not be ashamed before the Lord Jesus at his coming. This was Paul's goal for the Thessalonian believers. This is why Paul wrote this letter. This is why Paul prayed this prayer. This is why Paul traveled all around the Mediterranean world and suffered beatings and scourgings and ultimately was beheaded. This was Paul's goal. And for the glory of God in Edinburgh and for the purity of Christ's bride, may this be our goal as well. Amen.